Well, it's been a new thing for um, Peter and I to be presenting together while we've been doing church online. You might be more used to seeing me running after kids at the back of the service. Um, and it's wonderful to be able to speak today about something that is very close to my heart and also um, my vocation, which is um, caring for God's world and um, how we as Christians um, can play our part. And, um, you know, this is part of our justice series. And you'll remember that at the start of the year, we began particularly with remembering January 26th and um, the importance of um, we as Christians and reconciliation with Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples. And today um, is on creation care. And like a thread, like it is through the Bible, um, we will be picking that up at different times of the year. So why is creation care important to me and to faith? It goes without saying, but I'm going to just name a few of the environmental challenges that we face. You know, we have pushed creation to breaking point and our systems in so many ways, our systems and structures are broken. They harm people and planet and only a few, um, I guess, get ahead in the way our systems are operating. Environmentally, some of the issues we face include um, devastating biodiversity loss. We are looking at extinction of 50% of our species. Now, that's just one issue, deforestation destruction of the lungs of our planet, the plummeting in marine stocks, the loss of arable land, water shortages, as Emma just spoke about before, the future of our food, mountains of plastic pollution, poisoning the earth and hurting people. Added to that is the threat of climate change. It impacts us all but as you've heard, it hits the poorest first and hardest, despite contributing least to the problem. It is people like us in our high consumption societies that have contributed the most. And as you've heard today, it impacts um, the poor, particularly in relation to development and rising hunger is the biggest risk that we face. We have to turn these crises around and we can. You know, our generation is unlike any other generation. Generations before us didn't realise the scale of the problems, particularly around climate change. But for future generations, it will be too late. We must act and we must act quickly. Now is the time and our good God is on the move renewing our world, and he wants us to roll up our sleeves and get to work. My question, however, is in the face of such devastating challenges, is the church missing in action? Our Christian lives seem to be missing in involvement and engagement around these pressing issues. How can this be so? Has caring for the earth been part of your teaching and experience of church and the Christian faith? Some of you will answer yes. For some of you, you'll be answering no. Does it seem like an optional extra? I recently got my hands on some polling um, of Australians' responses to environmental issues. Everything from 
recycling habits, what people practically and actually do around recycling, to their attitudes on whether we need to make changes in the here and now, to whether you know people being polled thought of themselves really as an environmentalist, environmentalist at heart. So everything in between. The kick in the guts was that Christians, for all denominations, were falling behind. We are lagging compared to people of other faiths and people of no faith. Are we indifferent? Are we unloving? If we're cut to the heart, if we are really convicted that there's a problem, wouldn't we feel compelled to love and to respond to systems that are so out of line with God's plan for his people and his planet Earth? So why doesn't this flow through to our practice, our loving response, our worship as church when we are together and as individual Christians? I wonder whether things have got slightly out of focus theologically, whether we have slightly misunderstood things that has led to our practice or our inaction as church, as Christians together, particularly in the West. Have you linked your posture to the environment or your consumption behaviour with your faith. I know for me it, it hasn't always been the case. You know, as a child, my relationship and my focus was very much on Jesus, my friend and my comforter. As I grew in my teenage years and I guess more life experience, I focused particularly in the Bible on what it had to say about people more on the margins People like my aunt who had intellectual disabilities. What did God say about her and our communities? What did God say about justice, about refugees, and about hope and his kingdom and poverty? But God has been working in me in more recent years and encouraging me deeper into understanding his creation and his value of all things beyond how it impacts humans. Um, and that has grown from an affinity with nature through to a deeper theological understanding and a bigger, more exciting vision of how God is restoring all things, um, his relationship with myself and him and with others, but also with all creation. And he has been drawing my passion and my interest in Christians practically living it out and how I can be a voice and um, get things going with Christians to start to do things together. Um, and he's brought those two things together for me. Um, particularly my advocacy leadership um, at Tier Australia, I get to work with the church in Australia, but also globally. And you'll hear a bit about the Global Renew Our World campaign. It's something I have the pleasure of being part of leading. And some of the stories you'll hear today are wonderful things that the global church is doing together, which I hope gives you um, immense hope and courage for the steps that we might want to take here in Australia. I want us to be shining lights of God's transformation in our own lives um, and in transforming systems around us. The world should look at us, see the better way and know it to be God. I want us as a community to come away from this sermon with a sharper understanding of creation care theologically and a bigger vision of God and his plan and what he calls us to do. Because if we get that deeply as Christians, that will flow through to our practice. I'm going to do this first by showing how creation care is a direct application of the gospel 
It's a natural result of the story of God's work in this world. And secondly, I'll do this by talking about how to practically live um, this out in our personal lives and as a church community. The big story of the gospel begins in creation as recorded in Genesis. And here it clearly shows that God loves the world that he created. Genesis 1.31. At the centre of creation, he places the man and the woman, representatives of all of humanity. This creation is God's gift to us to sustain, to sustain all life, to sustain us and to enrich our lives. And among um, all that he has created, he has given humanity a unique role. We are made in his image. God has entrusted the earth to our care. His first instruction to Adam and Eve is to care for the creation, God's planet. Work the soil and take care of it. We are God's gardeners, his stewards, for fruitfulness, not destruction. Being made in God's image also means that we love what he loves. He loves creation, so therefore so should we. But as you know, humanity chose its own way. We grasped after the position of God. And we have not been good stewards. And the fallout is devastating. So now creation is broken. We do see its former beauty, but we also see the cracks. And the good news is that God doesn't just leave the world in this sorry state. He is setting about rescuing the world. He gives Israel the law to show them how to live And this includes showing them how to be good stewards. If you look back at our passage from Leviticus 25, it tells of God establishing a year of Sabbath rest for Israel, where they work the land for six years, and on the seventh year they rest. Notice it's not just the Israelites who rest, but it is the land that rests. They should not sow or reap the fields. The land is to have a year of rest. And also any produce that does not grow in that that does grow in that year is to be a blessing for them, for the animals, the servants, including the wild animals. God cares about the wild animals. This is how to be good stewards. This is to live how God intended. This is to rest as God intended. And this is pointing to the ultimate Sabbath rest, where God will reconcile himself to all things where the land, the animals and humanity will rest in eternity in that perfect presence of the Father, Son and Spirit. This is how the story of the Bible unfolds. Now at this point in the Gospel story that we can easily overlook what the Bible is actually saying about God's plan for salvation. And that is, he is not setting about just to save people. But he is setting about to save the whole universe. He loves his creation and he wants to see it renewed. Our reading from Colossians 1, 15 to 20. It's a beautiful poem about Jesus, describing him as the image of the invisible God and the firstborn above the creation. 
all things are created through him and for him. He holds everything together. Verse 18, he is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead. Now look at verse 19 to 20. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. So just as all things were created in the heavens and on the earth by Christ in the first creation, verse 16, in the same way the second creation, Jesus Christ reconciles all things to himself, whether things on earth or things in heaven. Verse 20. Christ created all things, verse 16, and Christ reconciles all things, verse 20. His reconciling work is how he is making a new creation in which peace dwells through his blood. He has begun to restore the disorder, the disharmony, the lack of peace of the first creation. And this will be consummated in the future. God loved his first creation and he is restoring it. God's purpose for the earth and its creatures are good purposes. And it doesn't end in destruction, as many might have first assumed. Refocusing that aspect of our theology transforms our purposes here on earth. A major view in the church, really only in the last hundred years, has been this um, idea that the world is going to burn up. So why care for the planet? Ruth Valerio and Dave Brookless are um, two amazing creation care theologians from the UK. Um, you'll see a picture here of, of Ruth um, uh, here in the, in the slide here. And in a moment, you'll see a picture of myself with Dave um, next to me recently, uh, earlier this year. They are both incredible theologians in this space, um, internationally respected, um, but they are also practical campaigners and um, a part of the Renew Our World Global Movement. Now, they point out that the Bible says that God will not burn the creation and throw it away in some cosmic rubbish dump as such, but he will radically restore the creation, radically restore. Think about what Jesus did, um, what God did to Jesus' body between his death and his resurrection. And that is a helpful way to understand what he will do to the whole universe. It is, of course, God's work to renew our world and the whole of creation. And we are called to be stewards, to live out our part in God's great restorative work. So we are to live environmentally, um, responsibly, as an expression of worship and love for what God loves. In 2010, um, over 4,000 Christians from the evangelical world, all around the world, came together in Cape Town and they were discussing these sorts of issues. And they came to the um, very important statement, um, I guess, about an, the evangelical position on creation care. And they said, caring for creation is a gospel issue within the Lordship of Jesus Christ. But this extends um, beyond just um, thinking about humans. It is included in our vision and our response to the gospel.
not a replacement of the gospel, but included in our vision of the gospel. The wonderful Latin American theologian, who some of you got to meet last year at the Justice Conference, uh, Ruth Padilla Borst, describes it this way. The gospel is good news and includes God's good creation from a good God. As we look, we expand our good news understanding, looking from the beginning to the new creation. And that's at the core of our relationship with creation. John 3.16, one of the most famous verses in the Bible, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. This is the whole created order. Have you ever noticed that phrase, God so loved the world, as you've said that verse? Not just humanity. Now for some of us, this will be new. This will be an expansion of our vision. This might be quite challenging. This was certainly the case um, in Poland a couple of years ago. I was there uh, to be part of uh, the lobbying on behalf of the church um, at the UN Climate Talks. And I was um, spending a lot of time, um, any of our free time was with um, the local church, um, sharing with them what we were doing and joining with them in prayer over the talks. And in this Pentecostal Polish church, um, my fellow lobbyist, Reverend Martin Kapenda from Zambia, he preached to them around John 3.16, for God so loved the world. The scales fell from their eyes as they grasped for the first time a bigger vision of God's plan beyond simply saving souls, a plan and a vision for all creation. I could also see how profoundly moved they were. Folk from a coal mining town in Poland as they heard from Martin about the impact of climate change on the poor in Zambia. Their vision and their horizons were expanded that day. We are saved for relationships. We are saved to be God's stewards. So caring for the poor, tackling injustice and caring for creation are part of the task of the church and we as the hands and the feet. This shapes everything in our lives, right down to the mundane details when you think no one is looking. As Paul writes in Romans 12, we had the message um, translation today, which I just love. We had to take our everyday ordinary life, our sleeping, our eating, our going to work, our walking around life, and place it before God as an offering so how do we, as Christians at Mary Creek, respond practically? We should all begin considering our impact on the earth and our love for our global neighbours. We should let this shape the choices we make. Let me list a whole bunch of actions that you could consider. Think of these as options for you to put into practice as spiritual disciplines. Consider limiting your flying for holidays and pleasure. Try and reduce your use of plastics. Perhaps start one room at a time 
or you might be moving towards um, a zero-waste lifestyle. Consider eating less meat. And if you don't know why, speak to Emma or find out what, what could that mean? How could that help the environment? Ensure your superannuation and your investments are green and ethical. Stop saying yes to a single-use coffee cup. See that as a spiritual discipline. Because these are responses to environmental challenges, not just um, reducing CO2 emissions. Caring for creation is, is much broader than that. Get into the habit of using your voice as a Christian to lobby government and corporations so that we can speak up for a more fair and sustainable planet. I would love to help resource and train you in that. That is what I do. Give of your time and your talents. One thing I do is volunteer my time on governance boards and I see that as an act of worship and how I can do mission. Um, one board that I'm on at the moment is a green social enterprise called um, Green Collect. And it gives me great pleasure to um, participate in God's kingdom in ways like that. Now, I know some of you are on this journey and many of you are inspiring me to go further and deeper in this. And for others, this is new. And you are blessed in your church community. We have many people who would love to walk with you and help you take steps in this direction. And some of them you've heard from this morning. Caring for God's world can be as common in our church as Bible studies, as playgroups, as making meals for each other. Our church, it already has a relatively good environmental impact. We um, don't have our own building and site, um, so we have a different sort of footprint to many other churches. You will hear regularly our sermons like this threaded through the year, um, but we could do more. And as Christina said, there are practical things, practical expressions we can do together as church, like cleaning up the local riverways. Our actions do matter. The small steps we take, they may feel like a drop in the ocean, but they are part of a changing tide. And the church working together has unmatched potential for impact. Christians make up the largest religious group in the world and around a third of the world's population. And so the church um, working together, there is power in our voice, our collective voice, and our prayers, each playing our part with God's help. We have the potential for profound influence and the shaping of things to come. May our lives, our local church, our church in Australia and the church beyond globally continue to wake up and listen to the cries of the poor and listen to the groaning of our planet. We need to act quickly and we need to begin to act to work with God for the renewal of our world. Let me pray. Creator God, I pray that we may see as you see all in your groaning creation all under poverty and injustice. Give us fresh vision. May the scales fall off our eyes 
And once we have seen, may we never unsee. May we be moved to act. Forgive us our comfort, our consumption, our indifference, our narrow vision of you. We want to love and care for and protect your world. Please show each of us the areas in our lives that might not be open to you. Please shine your light and reveal to us what you call us to do in response. May we point to you in every part of our life for your glory and kingdom. Amen.